You know, I, I think of what just happened, and I just just want to speak into this. Um, because there's, we, Jesus was clear. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. And, and we say that and we say, okay, in this world, you will have trouble. Okay, great, you know, trouble is coming. But, but there are times and there are waves and there are seasons when there's just a, a heaviness and trouble just seems to be coming from the left and to the right. And so like in here, like there's just the heaviness that people are, are carrying. And I know some of you like, had a great week and, and things are going well and like everywhere you turn, it's roses and, and we celebrate with you. Like we celebrate uh, the, you know, what you're going through because Jesus said, um, rejoice with those who rejoice. And so we can, we can do that and we rejoice when we, we see um, things happen in powerful ways. But we also are called uh, by Jesus too to weep with those who weep, to mourn with those who mourn, to walk through the valleys with, with people. And what just happened to me um, is just such a powerful picture of church. Like, this is why I love the church. This is, and, and not like building and, and, and bricks and mortar, but the church, the people, like the people of God. And it's not just Restoration or Bethel. It's the, the people of God, the body of Christ in West Michigan and around the world. Because as soon as you come together and you connect, and there's this common bond that you have in Jesus, all of a sudden things happen. And, and people who come, are, who are broken, that people are gathered around them and they pray. And they, they bring them to the feet of Jesus. And to me, that's what the church should always be. Sometimes you come in here with a skip in your step and you're rejoicing. Sometimes you come in here with a limp and you're like, ah, regardless, like people need to come around you and be the body together because that whole picture of the body, frankly, uh, you can't have a finger without the rest of the body. You can't have a, a lung without the rest of the body. A lung can't just be like, okay, we're breathing and we're kind of doing our own thing. No, we need to be connected. And in this world that, that screams isolation and go and be by yourself, the, the, the gospel of Jesus in Christianity comes and it smashes that in the face and says, we need to be together. We need one another. We need to take the mask off and we need to say, this is what we're going through and be real with one another. I absolutely love the church and for 20 plus years have, given, have had the privilege of being in the body of Christ and seeing God move in miraculous ways. I remember years ago, there was a woman, an elderly woman who had lost her husband. She was in her 70s. Her name was uh, Diane Baker. I don't know if anybody knows Diane Baker. She lived on the north side of town. And uh, she had lost her husband a couple years before I had talked to her uh, from a heart attack. Um, she had um, been to the hospital numerous times. Uh, they called code blue on her uh, a couple times, which is just a really bad, bad medical condition. Um, but she came and talked to me because I needed a Sunday school teacher for seventh grade boys. Now, these boys had burned through teacher after teacher after teacher. Like, these boys had come, and there was a volunteer, and they're like, they try to teach these, these boys. And a couple weeks later, they're like, nope, I'm out. I'm out. I can't do this. These boys are like, I know they're in a church, but they're a bunch of little hellions. Like, if you know what I mean. Like, they're, they're troublemakers. And in walks Diane Baker with her walker and says, Dave, I'll do it. I'm like, Diane, you know, you're old. <laughs> you're, you don't have much energy. Like, are you sure? And she said, yes, I'm going to do it because this is what faith does. This is what a relationship with Jesus looks like. And so she, with her walker, with her books, gathered these seventh grade boys and started to teach them every Sunday. 
they would escort her down to, or right to the, the elevator, and they would uh, put her in the elevator, and the elevator would take her down a couple steps, and they would walk around the side and open up the door for her. They would carry their books uh, for her. And all throughout that year, she faithfully taught those boys, sharing stories of faith, sharing the gospel, speaking life into them. And she lasted not just one year, but she lasted two years with those boys. She was so energized by it. And I, I look at that picture and I look at all what, what you guys did this morning. I'm like, that's church. Entering in, being connected with one another, walking with each other, and doing things that don't make sense. I can think of Rebecca and Steve. Steve had no clue what he was saying yes to when he got married to Rebecca. Like, he didn't have any clue that he would be putting on this breakthrough 24 event. Way to go, project manager. You didn't include that in your vows. Like, no, but that, that was there. Like, you take this step and you're like, what is happening? And God breaks through in, in powerful ways. I, I want to turn to Mark chapter 2. And I want to read this story and, and highlight a couple things. Because like I said last week, I said, like, we're gonna, this is such a picture to me of church. Mark chapter 2. And I, and I just want to um, just highlight a, a couple things for us today that I, I believe the Lord wants to, to speak to us about. Mark chapter 2. It says, when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Now, the last couple of weeks, we had gone in a couple of different directions and, and followed Jesus's interactions with uh, people who were demon-possessed. Uh, but in this situation, it says he returned to Capernaum. Now, we have to remember that he started in Capernaum, and there were some amazing things that happened in Capernaum. He walked into the synagogue, started to teach, and people were like, wow, this is a powerful teaching. You teach with such authority. And then he backed up that authority or demonstrated that authority by casting out uh, demons out of the, this man who had been in the synagogue for a, a while. And then from there, he, he went to Simon, Andrew, Simon Peter's house, and, and many people were brought to him. And it says that, that as they brought them to him, he healed the sick and he cast out demons. And then that next morning, Right after that happened in, in Mark chapter 1, Jesus goes off early in the morning and he prays and he spends time with his father. And the disciples come and they look at him and they're like, everybody is coming for you. Everybody is, is here. Everyone is looking for you. And you would think Jesus would be like, okay, you know, here's the crowd. I'll, I'll go to the crowd. But he looked at them and he said, no, let's go to a different town and preach the gospel there because uh, that is why I have been sent. And so he skips out of Capernaum. And he goes into Galilee and he goes from town to town on this preaching tour and just sharing the good news of the kingdom with people and healing the sick and casting out demons. And then he comes across a leper in Mark chapter 1. And I love this story because as he's out going from town to town, he comes across the leper and he, the leper comes to him and says, if you're willing, make me clean. And Jesus not with a word. He could have healed with a word. Not with uh, any other way. Uh, he touched the leper. Touched the leper. A man who had not known touch for a long time. He touched the leper. He entered into the mess. And the leper was made clean. And I love that, that picture because Jesus entered into the mess. And it's just a reminder and a challenge for us today to enter into the messes. Are we, are we willing to enter into the messes of life like Jesus did over and over and over again? And so now he is back in Capernaum. After, after going throughout Galilee, a lot has happened. He's back in Capernaum, and things are about to get interesting. It says, And many were gathered together, 
so that there was no more room, not even at the door. The people were crowding into this, this house, and he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. Now, now we read that and we're like, okay, we've heard that story. But can you get that in your mind? Can you get that picture in your mind? Like, what a crazy story. Here is this crowd, and people are going out into the, the streets and, and out of the door. And, and these men, these four men are carrying their paralyzed friend. And they're like, well, we are trying to get to Jesus. In Luke 5, in Luke's account, it says, like, they tried to go through the door. But they're like, we tried to go through the door. We can't. The crowd is not letting us in. And so what do they do? They devise a plan. They're like, oh, yeah, let's just go through the roof. And we'll drop them at the feet of Jesus. I mean, that's a crazy idea. Do you ever have like, do you have like those friends who come up with crazy ideas? And you think like, that's never going to work. That's never going to work. Yeah, Steve. Yeah, your wife. Yeah, yeah, crazy ideas. But the more you think about it, you're like, well, maybe, maybe this just might be legit. This just might actually be a good idea. And so I, I would love to have seen more of the interaction. Like, okay, let's go up on the roof. Let's, let's open up a hole in the roof and we'll plop him down right at the feet of Jesus. Like who thought that was a good idea? Who was going to pay for the cost to repair the roof? You know, all of these ideas go through my head. But like, here is a crazy situation. And then it says this in verse 5. And when Jesus saw their faith, when it, this man went through the roof, at the feet of Jesus, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, here's the crazy thing. When Jesus saw their faith, after like dirt and, and, and stuff from the roof had, had plopped on, on Jesus, you don't get the picture that he was annoyed. You don't get the picture that he was disturbed. Like, oh, what, what are you doing? You're interrupting my teaching. No, all of a sudden, here is this man who's been paralyzed. And we don't know much about his story. He was paralyzed, and Jesus says to him, Son, your sins are forgiven. And that is so interesting. Because here, they didn't ask for his sins to be forgiven. Here, the man didn't have faith for his sins to be forgiven. But all of a sudden, he's plopped at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus says to him, Son, your sins are forgiven. We'll come back to that in a little bit. Now, it says in verse 6, Some of the scribes, we're sitting there questioning in their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? It's interesting. They're like, who can forgive sins but God alone? But they didn't make the connection that, oh, this is God. Instead of bowing down and worshiping him, they started to blame him and say, he's blaspheming. He's blaspheming. Verse 8 says, immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit, that the, they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. I love that, 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 that picture of Jesus. He goes, oh, you doubt that I have the power to forgive sins? Which one's easier? Forgive sins or make somebody uh, walk? 
Well, just so you know that both can happen by the power of God, boom, he does, he does both. And the man gets up, verse 12, he rose immediately and picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we have never seen anything like this. I love that. All of a sudden, this guy comes through the roof. Jesus is teaching. He's having compassion on those people and he's teaching them about the, the kingdom of God and he's interrupted and he uses this situation, the opportunity to point to two things, the power of God and the forgiveness of God, the love of God and the power of God. And he says, your sins are forgiven. And just so everybody knows that I have the power to do that, he goes, pick up your mat and walk. And people, their jaws drop. They are in awe. And I just imagine the owner of the house is saying, hey, who's going to fix my roof? But there, there's a couple things that I just want to highlight. Like, I know the... The focus is on the paralyzed man. But I can't get away from the four friends that brought their friend to Jesus. And, and look at verse 5. It says, when Jesus saw their faith. I don't, we don't know much about the paralyzed man. We don't know much about his faith. I don't, we, this not, doesn't mention. I don't know if he was a person of faith. But Jesus highlights and he says, when he saw their faith. Jesus was moved by their faith. You know, sometimes when it comes to faith, you don't need to muster up a bunch of faith. You need to be carried by the faith of your friends. Because sometimes you go through life and, and the storms rage. Sometimes like life is overwhelming. Sometimes you frankly don't have it. You don't have faith. You can't muster it up and you need to ask for help. And I think this is one of the most important things for us to, to realize and learn and grow in, in West Michigan is that we need to allow other people to carry us. So often we put our face, our masks on and we say, I'm good. I'm all right. Everything is great. And we inside, we're like, I got to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I got to like put my game face on and figure this out myself. That is not the Christian life. We are to be connected. Sometimes we need to be carried by the faith of our friends. And sometimes you need to carry your friends by your faith. We have to be real. This is so needed just to, uh, like, to walk in here and drop the mask and say, here I am. I'm not doing well. I'm not doing well. If God wants us to be honest with him in Hebrews 10, to come before him with a sincere and pure heart, shouldn't we be honest with one another of the body of Christ? Now, I know people have been hurt by one another. You're like, I can't trust this person. I can't say this. I just know, I realize that is, is valid and it's true and your hurt is real and your pain is real. And what was done was painful. But I know that the enemy would want to keep us alone by ourselves, And we need to constantly risk and take the step of faith and say, you know what? I'm going to allow other people to come in. Sometimes you need to be carried by the faith of your friends. But also in this passage, what I see from the, these four guys is what faith looks like. Faith moves. Faith is action. Faith calls us to do things. Faith removes a roof over uh, Jesus' head and, and drops a friend right at the feet of Jesus. Faith doesn't look at an obstacle and run in the other direction. Faith looks at the obstacle and says, how is God going to move in this situation? I think we need to constantly, constantly, like the, the guy with the, the, the son who was demon-possessed. He comes to Jesus and he says, I believe, help my unbelief. I think we constantly need to be asking that prayer. There are areas of faith that we have in our heart that are like, yes, God can do this, but there's areas of unbelief in our heart as well. 
And we need to constantly say, God, remove those, those areas of our lives where we have doubt, where we have unbelief, where we're overwhelmed by the obstacles. Let's be a people of faith and say, you know what? This obstacle is so small compared to the greatness and the glory of God. Faith moves. Faith is all about action. And I look around this room and I see so many people who are walking by faith, so many people who are filled with faith, stepping out and living a life of action. I'm not going to read this whole passage, but read James 2, 14 through the end of James 2. James talks about this. He says, you show me your faith by your words. I'll show you my faith by my actions. He says, we have to be people who are, who are living a life of faith. See, salvation, a relationship with Jesus, is all based on grace. Salvation, we cannot earn it by our works. But salvation, our salvation, should be demonstrated by our works, by how we live our lives. I love this um, statement by uh, the person who founded the vineyard movement uh, of churches, John Wimber. He often would describe faith in uh, a simple way. And he would say, faith is spelled, how Barry? Risk. Risk. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. I think I spelled that right. Faith is spelled risk. And that's what it is. That's what these guys demonstrated. They took a step and they're like, you know what? We're going to risk looking foolish. We're going to risk this not working. We're going to risk a bunch of things. But we're going to take a step of obedience and move. Faith, according to this passage, as we see here, is persistent, is courageous, is sacrificial. It costs something. I don't, again, I, don't, I go back to this, but I don't know who repaired the roof, but the guys didn't think about that. They're like, hey, it doesn't matter. We're going to get our friend to the feet of Jesus. And in faith is selfless. These four men who had faith, they didn't receive anything in return. They wanted to get their friend to the feet of Jesus, and that's what it's all about. What would it look like if in our lives, our desire was just to get people to the feet of Jesus, to just plop them at the feet of Jesus? And this is so freeing. Because I know I can't change anybody and you can't change them either, but we can place them at the feet of Jesus in the presence of Jesus and watch, them, watch him work powerfully. And there's so many ways that that looks like, that, that looks today. To bring praying for somebody, as somebody's broken in, in the grocery store, to come up to them and say, how can I pray for you right now? Like that's what I love about our prayer times because this is training to be able to go into those moments and to pray for people. Or to share the gospel, to share the hope that we have in Jesus. There's so many ways that we can, we can place people at the feet of Jesus. Are you being a person who's walking by faith? Are you being a person who is who's taking people to the feet of Jesus? And again, Mark 2, this picture, to me, this is a vision of church. This is what it's all supposed to be about. This community that is seeking Jesus, where Jesus is at the center, and we're constantly putting people at the feet of Jesus. But the last thing I want to share is this person had a need. They were paralyzed. But Jesus shows that the real need was spiritual. The paralytic's ultimate need wasn't his suffering. It was his sin. It was spiritual. But now, so often as you look through Scripture, the physical opens up the door to spiritual conversations. But we have to remember that at the end of the day, we have to have conversations with people about Jesus. I want to end with this story. There's a picture of a woman up on the, the screen. Met this woman in, I think it was February of 2008. So a long time ago. But this was a powerful lesson that I learned years ago. 
Cece and I went down to South Africa, and we were there for about 10 days. And we met this woman, and she was sitting with a lot more uh, uh, somber face when we met her. And we entered into her life and tried to talk to her about Jesus. Talk to her about faith and talk to her about um, a relationship with Jesus. And she just sat there, just stoic, no expression. And as I talked with her and others talked with her, it became uh, apparent that the reason she wasn't listening was because she was hungry. She had gone weeks uh, without having abundance of food in their house and just uh, scraping by. And uh, there was no food in their house uh, the time that we were talking with her. And so some people gathered together and said, let's go down to the local store and, and buy her some groceries. And they did. And they brought back these, these two big bags uh, of, of food and gave them to, to her and her family. All of a sudden, her demeanor changed. Now, you could think like, okay, that's good. Like buy her food and then, then be on the way. But that physical act opened up the door to a spiritual conversation. And we sat there and we talked with her and prayed with her. And shared the gospel with her. Now the person that we were with said later that she did open up her life to Jesus. And just a couple weeks later, she passed away. There's another picture of us praying with her. The spirit, the physical opens up the door to the spiritual. The thing that we must always remember is while the physical is important, digging wells for people is important, Helping people in practical ways is so important. But it must always lead to the gospel of Jesus being shared. Because that is the biggest need. And Jesus shows this in Mark chapter 2. The biggest need that people have walking around West Michigan, walking around the world, is this hole that is in their heart that will only be satisfied by Jesus. A relationship with Jesus. And so we have to be actively proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. I've known people who have lived their life in Holland, Michigan, in West Michigan here, going to school, and they told me, they, they said, it wasn't until they were in their mid-20s that somebody shared the gospel with them. See, we assume in this town that, oh, everybody's a Christian or everybody's whatever they've heard. They haven't. We have to make sure that we're always pointing to Jesus. And in times of tragedy that I've been invited into, the saddest thing that I've ever heard people say in hospital rooms, in living rooms, is people did not know where the person was at with Jesus. They're like, I don't know if they had a relationship with Jesus. That is heartbreaking. And that should never be the case. We should always know, like, where are people at with Jesus? Are we sharing the gospel? Are we sharing the hope that we have? And let's be people of faith that are filled with boldness, that are actively getting people to the feet of Jesus by sharing the good news that we have in Jesus Christ with them. I love Mark 2. Such a picture of what the church could and should be. And it's just four guys. Four guys filled with faith. There wasn't anything special about them. Four guys filled with faith, plopping their friend at the feet of Jesus. I look around this room, a bunch of people, more than four, nothing special about us, just ordinary people, and praying that we'd be filled with faith and constantly place people at the feet of Jesus. Let's pray together. God, I just think... Um, I think of what happened here just a few minutes ago. And Father, I just want to say thank you. I want to thank you for, for this body, for, for the, the people in this room. 
who just like those four dudes, carried the friends to, to your feet. I thank you for the faith that is alive in this room. I thank you for the faith that is active in this room. I thank you for so many different stories in this room where, where people are stepping out and living their life of faith by action. And so, God, I just want to bless you, and I want to thank you for the work that, that you're doing in people's lives here and, and through their lives. I thank you for the words that you give to people in the moment. I thank you for the actions that you're leading people into. And I thank you for a heart of obedience that just is rising up in, in people here. And I ask, Lord, for, for more of that. I thank you for it, but I ask for more. God, there's so many areas where we believe, help our unbelief. We want, to walk, we want to be people who are walking with just a bold, persistent, selfless faith, pointing people to you, Jesus. And so right now, Holy Spirit, I do ask and believe that you're going to do this. I ask that you would fill people. I ask that you'd fill them up to overflowing. That we would have so much hope today because of the truth that the tomb is empty and Jesus, you are alive and well, reigning and ruling at the right hand of the Father. And we give you praise, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. I want us to stand together and just wrap up our, our time together worshiping with uh, just uh, a couple songs that Tyler's going to lead us in.